What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul Podcast. It's your host, Chris. And yeah, here we interview authors about their books on a wide range of different subjects. I am a nonfiction fan, so I love reading and learning and all that. And today, today, my guest is Daniel Golden, all right? He has won a Pulitzer Prize in journalism, and we're gonna be talking about his book today, The Price of Admission. And I have wanted to post this episode for so long because I feel, I don't know, I am extremely passionate about this topic, all right? And it's college and the money in colleges and all that. 99% of you probably heard of the college admission scandal, Operation Varsity Blues, where the celebrities were like bribing their way uh, into you know getting their kids into college and all that. Uh, Netflix did a little documentary on it. I even had my 12-year-old son watch it with us. But anyways, when that story blew up, I lost my mind. I'm like, you guys, I'm like, why is everybody freaking out about this? These celebrities doing it. I'm like, there's basically been legalized bribery in college forever, right? Rich kids, their parents can like donate a building or you know, whatever. And and yeah, it, the, the whole admissions process is very, very unequal. So Dan Golden, he wrote a book called The Price of Admission and he really goes into all these different aspects. But what's interesting is Dan wrote this book before the college admission scandal and he's recently done you know articles and things like that about the story but this book really dives into all the other ways that privileged kids are you know taking advantage of the fact that they have privilege and are getting into these schools which takes away from other kids who have been working their butts off and this is something that i'm really passionate about because you know we want to tell kids hey you could do what you want you work hard and da 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 but that's not always the case and it's something you know as a father it's difficult you know, finding the balance, talking with my son about it. So this is a really, really important conversation. I will link down below Dan's social media as well as this book, and he has another new book out. So anyways, make sure, please, please, please go check these books out. It is a very important topic because we need some kind of change to happen. Um, and yeah, this week I'm gonna be covering a few social issues, so I hope you guys enjoy it. Anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dan Golden. Hello, Dan. Thank you so much for taking some time out to come on the podcast and talk about your awesome book, The Price of Admission. So the first question I have for you, because you've been covering this kind of stuff for a while now, is like, what what's your background and like what really made you passionate about the issues with how college admissions are really, you know, benefiting the wealthy and the privileged? Well, um, first of all, I'm a child of meritocracy. Uh, I didn't come from money. My parents were immigrants who became college professors because uh, of their brains and hard work. So I'm a believer in the American dream of upward mobility. And when I began reporting years ago on, on a challenge to affirmative action uh, in college admissions, 
you know, I did some reporting on affirmative action for white rich kids, and I was stunned to find just how extensive it was and how they were getting these huge admissions breaks that colleges never talked about. And that uh, really infuriated me and made me passionate about this issue. Yeah, that that totally makes sense, uh, you know. Um, and, and it's kind of, uh, I guess, my reasoning for being really passionate about this is because, you know, from a young age, for me, it was constantly beat into my head that education is the most important thing, right? Like you'll get good grades and, you know, you'll go to a good college, you'll get a good career and all that. And that's that's kind of what, you know, we're, we're all sold on. Now, granted, I want to make it very clear to you and the rest of the audience out there. I screwed up. I screwed up and I didn't, I didn't work to my full potential and all that stuff. But it's something that I look at now as a father or, you know, other, you know, all the other millions of kids going through the school system now. Um, but yeah, like I, I just turned 36 and it doesn't seem like much of, you know, this this whole college admission system has changed, right? Like there are hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube for these videos, I don't know if you've seen them, of kids opening their acceptance letters to college. And, you know, still, you know, there are some families that are pressuring their kids to get these amazing grades, go to a great college, you know, and, and all these other things, like it's all gonna be laid out for them. But, you know, one of the other reasons that I, I think this topic is important is because when these kids don't get in, they can spiral into a deep depression. Like I think about how many kids, how many, you know, 18, 19 year old kids are extremely depressed because they didn't get into, you know, the school that they wanted or just even a top notch school. But yeah, like there, there have even been instances where some of these cases even lead to suicide. But in your book, you write like, ex you go extremely in depth about how this entire system is, is kind of rigged. So, you know, there's these kids where despite working their butts off all these years and getting good grades, or even, even being an amazing athlete, right? Like there's so many kids who grow up in, you know, these urban areas and they're like, oh yeah, well, uh, you know, basketball or football or, you know, sports is gonna be your way out. But you, you cover stories where even just star athletes don't even, you know, that that's not always the key to getting into a good school. So anyways, like, do you think, based on how the system's set up, do you think that we put too much of an emphasis on college and how it's tied so closely to our identity? Like, do you also think that there's this lack of awareness around, uh, among young people about how the college admission system actually works? Uh, well, I think a college education can be a wonderful thing, can be illuminating uh, intellectually and socially. But I do believe we put too much emphasis on uh, the, uh, you know, the status of getting into and, and graduating from a handful of brand name colleges like the Ivy Leagues. Uh, there's, you know, many universities with less cachet where you can get a equally fine education and uh, you know, be just as happy or more so. And I do think there is a, somewhat of a lack of awareness among teenagers about how the system actually works. And I think there's some, uh, uh, you know, uh, inequality there in that some teenagers have a much more sophisticated view because they're well off and their parents are able to hire uh, private counselors and, uh, uh, you know, provide test prep and so on. 
and other uh, kids don't really understand how it works either financially or in terms of the admissions process because they haven't had uh, the same advantages. Yeah, and this this is actually something that uh, I've been wanting to dive into like in a blog or something like that for the website, but I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, the kind of privilege of just knowing, right, or coming from a family who knows how the college admission system works because there's, you know, the, there's that issue where we don't know what we don't know, right? So if you don't know how the system, the college system actually works and all this, or you don't have access to these college counselors or all these other resources, right? You don't, you don't know. And, and the, the problem I see with that is, you know, my biggest fear, right, is, is these kids blaming themselves, right? Like where they think I'm not good enough. I screwed up. I should have worked harder and all this, right? But someone with more access to this knowledge and how people are actually getting into these schools, they might be able to cut themselves, you know, a little bit of slack. You know what I mean? So yeah, something I'm, I'm curious about is how do we educate these kids and let them know while also still, you know, like, giving them hope that they can succeed and get into a good school, have a good career, good life and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, my, my son, he's, he's only 12 years old, but even since he was younger, he's had this insane work ethic. He never misses assignments. He studies, gets good grades, and it'll even take him like a lot of convincing to just miss a day of school. Like we're doing a vacation or, you know, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, like I know I'm not the only person who, who worries about this, kind of like what we were, we were just talking about. But um, something I, I had him do, I had him watch this Netflix documentary with us about the college admissions scandal and show him that, you know, sometimes the world isn't always set up in this kind of, you know, meritocracy that we're, we're led to believe, right? And he found it really interesting and eye-opening um, but, you know, so far, so far, you know, it doesn't look like it's discouraged his, his work ethic or working hard. And, yeah, like I, I just mentioned, it, it would break my heart if he felt personally responsible for not being able to get into one of these schools and all that. Like, and it could just be because, you know, me, his dad, I don't make enough money. I can't donate a freaking building or something like that. So in your opinion, in your opinion about this, like, What's the best way for, you know, us parents to talk to our kids about the reality of what's going on without discouraging them from trying in school? Kind of like I was saying, like with, you know, these kids growing up in these different neighborhoods and, you know, being told like, hey, you work hard and you can get to these places. But we also want to tell them the reality of this. Um, like, do you think that if more people knew what was going on, that more kids might just, I don't know, give up on their education? I think the important thing for parents is to understand for themselves and communicate with their children that the whole purpose of high, high school is not to get into college. I mean, high school is something that should be enjoyed for its own sake and, and, and students should be encouraged and motivated to, to work hard there and, and enjoy themselves socially and uh, make it a fulfilling experience. If if the parent from the time the child is in, you know, fifth grade is talking about what you need to do to get into college, those kids are not going to be able to have as much fun and, and fulfillment and learning in uh, in middle school and high school. So I think that you have to kind of take it when it, when it where it comes. And then, you know, when you get to junior year of high school or whenever the, the college admissions process starts, that's the time to talk and explain that 
you know, it's it's great to have wonderful academics and, and those will be very helpful in getting to college, but sometimes there are things that are outside your control. But I wouldn't make that overshadow the middle school or high school experience. Dan, I absolutely love how you said that. <laughs> that that's perfect. Um, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Melinda Winter Moyer on here about her book, How to Raise Kids Who Aren't Assholes, and we we had a conversation about that. You know, like emphasizing, you know, the the effort, you know, that kids put into these things. And yeah, like you said too, it's like about that experience. I I try to teach my son, you know, because he's very aware. He's like, you know, uh, he a lot of kids ask this, like, when am I going to use this and all this? And I I remind him like, hey, no matter what you're learning. In in school it's it's applicable to your life if you let it right like math for example no you might not be doing like insane calculations at whatever career you choose but math helps you learn problem solving skills and all these other things so like enjoy it while you're putting in the right amount of effort and all that so very very well said sir so um yeah like uh, i want to go back to the the college admission scandal real quick and like I I personally, and I'm sure many others, <laughs> like I personally, I was not surprised by Operation Varsity Blues. Like, in fact, like you've you've been writing about the college admissions issue since before all of these celebrities were making the headlines for buying and cheating their kids' ways into college. What I was surprised by was it it felt like maybe I just don't know, but like it felt like the entire country just looked at this story and thought it was something new. Like for years, for years, like since I was aware of college and rich people and all that, like families have been donating millions to colleges to get their kids in, right? Or they do some kind of other favors for colleges. And sometimes I feel like I'm I'm taking these crazy pills, right? That buying, like, it, how is it legal that you could buy like a $10 million building for a college, but that's not considered bribing the school? Like, I feel like I'm insane that, that that's completely okay. So, so based on your, your research and your experience, why aren't there news stories every single day about people like, you know, the Jared Kushners of the world who buy their way into these schools? And why do you think Operation Varsity Blues received so much attention, even though different versions of this exact same scenario have been going on for years? Well, of course, there's a zillion cases like Jared Kushner's. I mean, he's He's one poster boy of many for the uh, ability of the wealthy to, to buy their kids away into elite schools. The trouble for reporters is that documenting these cases is not easy. I mean, uh, uh, college, high school records, uh, test scores, recommendations, and so on. These are all private documents, and rightfully so. You can't get them through a Freedom of Information Act uh, request. So uh, the re reporting on them is not easy. It takes painstaking work. It takes cultivation of sources. It takes uh, uh, pouring through records. And so, uh, and in yearbooks and things like that to find uh, classmates who might talk and so on. So uh, it's, it's, these cases are, are not easy to prove. And I'm not sure you really need one every day to prove the point. Uh, I had plenty of cases in my book and, you know, they stand the test of time. Um, in terms of why did Operation Varsity Blues receive so much attention, 
I think there were a number of factors. One is uh, there were celebrity names in there, uh, entertainers, tycoons, uh, very successful people in a number of professions as as parents who were uh, bribing uh, college coaches to have their kids uh, falsely uh, designated as athletic recruits. Uh, I think the other reason is there were there were criminal charges in that case. A lot of the parents were charged, some of the coaches and so on. And uh, there's, uh, in general, when you donate a lot of money to a college to get your kid in, that's not considered illegal. Uh, it's considered a gift. Whereas uh, if you bribe an individual, like uh, Rick Singer in the Varsity Blues case, uh, or if you, I mean, if you bribe a coach, but you pay Rick Singer to bribe a college coach, um, then the, the bribe to the individual rather than to the university is a crime. And so this brought college admissions at a, at a large scale into the criminal court system where it hadn't been before, at least not to that degree. So I think the combination of celebrity and actual criminal charges uh, and also maybe the uh, ingenuity of the scheme uh, were all factors in how much attention it got. Yeah, I, I hadn't really considered that. I don't, I don't know why, but yeah, you, you can't access this kind of stuff through the Freedom of Information Act, right? Like, would I want somebody to just easily be able to access, like, my, my kid's transcripts from school and stuff? So so that does make sense. So it does take a lot of effort. But like like you said, you know, you, you cover all this stuff, like so many different angles and aspects of it in your book. And it stands the test of time. Like, since your book came out, nothing's changed, you know? And... And yeah, it's just crazy that, you know, there's these just loopholes that, oh, oh, you know, hey, that $10 million, you know, building was, it was a gift. And then you guys just happened to let my children in there and, and all that. And, and you document so many other stories and cases and just even, even being an alumni of a school, just even if you're not giving them an insane amount of money, even if you're an alumni, you have the upper hand on getting your kid into a college. Um, but yeah, so I'm not sure if you've uh, read the book um, from Brian Kaplan, uh, The Case Against Education, but he argues that completing college is more about social signaling than it is about education. And after reading you know, your book and Kaplan's book, it seems like the college admissions issues aren't going away <laughs> anytime soon. So in your opinion, do you believe that there are, you know, practical, realistic solutions to fix the college admission system and how it's currently favoring, you know, the rich and, you know, the privileged? Uh, I offer a bunch of recommendations along those lines in my book. Uh, one thing I would do is eliminate college admissions preferences for sports that basically only the uh, uh, very affluent uh, families and students who go to prep schools and elite suburban high schools get a chance to play, like horseback riding or uh, fencing or, uh, you know, possibly gymnastics, sailing. These are sports you won't find in a lot of inner city schools. And so it's unfair to give an admissions break to the kids who uh, uh, do well in those, those activities. They're almost more of a marker of social status and of athletic ability. And... Um, Another thing I would do is have uh, 
admissions people who know the family of the applicant uh, recuse themselves from deliberations, which isn't generally done. You know, the dean of admissions might say, I know this kid's got some issues, but I know the family. It's a wonderful family. He or she will do fine. Uh, you know, and that benefits insiders. And I have a bunch more recommendations. On a broader scale, I think that, you know, it might benefit the, the, the American educational system if higher education was a bit more uh, diversified in terms of the kinds of colleges we have. You know, it's often hard to tell one liberal arts college from another or one state university from another. They, they seem to offer an awful lot of the same courses. I think if they had different specialties, that would mean that they could appeal to students more on the basis of their particular curriculum and focus rather than uh, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, uh, being kind of a, a mass of schools that are hard to tell apart. And so then they would, if they had a real calling card, they wouldn't have to base their admissions on donations. They'd, they'd get donations based on what they do well from people who uh, specialize in those fields. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things uh, that I learned about through through your book is, you know, that aspect of sports, right? Like it's it's just something that I don't think a lot of us think about when it comes to like, you know, these these colleges like think about, you know, the, the Ivy League schools. They have, you know, rowing and sailing and fencing and all these other things. And is is somebody from a lower income neighborhood even going to be have access to those sports to have a chance to go to a school that offers those things or get a scholarship on it and yeah that's one of the reasons why i read so many books even if it's on a topic that i you know i i've been binging or reading about because there's always something where i'm like huh i had not even thought about that you know but uh you bring up some other great options too and you know uh deans of admissions like recusing themselves and and all that um, but yeah, so in the book, you have these like countless stories of underprivileged kids, kind of like what we're talking about, who, you know, these kids have worked extremely hard. They've overcome all these odds uh, to get into a good school. And whether it's through academics or sports, some of these young people have done literally everything right to succeed on the college path towards success. But unfortunately, their spot was taken by somebody with either more money or privilege or, you know, both. So although this happens all the time, many people still believe, you know, that that, you know, those those dang people, they're looking for equality of outcomes rather than equality of opportunity. So based on all of these stories that you've written about, do you think that our system is set up for equality of opportunity. And if not, why do you think so many people deny that these inequalities are happening? I'd say the system is obviously not ideally designed for equality of opportunity. You know, there are a host of advantages for wealthy applicants, uh, legacy preference for, for children of alumni, development preference for people recommended by the fundraising office, uh, the sports preferences I've mentioned for uh, uh, students who play uh, basically rich people's sports and, and other preferences. And then even when you get beyond the preferences, there's things like test prep, which costs money. So it's available more to people who are affluent. Uh, there's opportunities for travel and for uh, volunteer internships, which since you're not making money are easier for families that, that have means. 
and uh, those can look good on a college application. So there's an awful lot of ways in which the system is, uh, uh, you know, biased toward the wealthy, and that's uh, that's unfortunate. And you also ask why do so many people deny that these inequalities are happening? I think sometimes it's hard for people to face uncomfortable truths, and colleges depend on this system uh, to raise money. They want uh, donations, and many of those donations come from families uh, whose children were admitted or with the expectation that their children will be admitted and colleges. So colleges depend on admissions for fundraising and uh, they don't want to kill the golden goose. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, this is why I love talking with people like you, Dan, because I feel like I, I, I just sit here. I'm like, do people not not realize how this is going on? And and like you like you said, that's that's just something that I, I think I've come to realize. And I don't know the exact solution for it is is it, we have this kind of like intentional ignorance we don't want to believe because the second we believe uh, or admit that there is kind of like privilege or advantage now there's there's a chance that it might you know go away and people are definitely afraid of that but it's it's a bummer because we can't have conversations about these things if people don't acknowledge that they actually exist and you brought up just excellent points like uh I, i'm pretty sure you discussed this in your book but there there's plenty of research that shows that children from families at higher income levels are more likely to get better grades on like SATs. And they find that that's because they can pay these thousands of dollars for prep classes. Some of them even get private tutors. So how are you supposed to, you know, compete with that? So aside from all these other things, you know, you have to worry about not even just having access to, you know, to sports, to preparation, to so many different things so like i it's one of those frustrating things since i'm just such a nerd about human behavior like it's one of those frustrating things where i understand why it's going on but it's it's still just extremely annoying you know what i mean that people won't just come to terms and be like hey hey you know what i had the advantage i was born into this family my parents made a lot of money boom you know or generational wealth or whatever but yeah i can go on a tangent all day and and yeah so i i just got I just got one one last question for you. All right, Dan. So the positive psychologist, uh, Martin Seligman, he did a ton of research on learned helplessness and how basically people give up when they feel that they have no way out, right? So do you think, you know, these stories have a negative impact on entire communities when they see that one of their, their peers, you know, you know, quote unquote fails after working hard, right? Like I imagine not only the, the, the kid who worked their butt off to get good grades and do well in sports and do everything they can to get in a good college, like when they don't get in and everybody's rooting for them, I'm curious if you think like that affects the entire community. And for those of us, you know, who do want to take action, what are some ways that we can help our young people and I don't know, like make change happen? I do think that these cases have an impact on entire communities. You know, other classmates look and see who gets into a certain school and they know why. If, if one of their classmates who's actually a, uh, just an average student gets into a top university while a terrific student doesn't get into that same school, the classmates take note and it breeds a kind of cynicism about the system. 
You know, this isn't, it suggests that America isn't really about uh, talent and potential, and it's about who's got money. And that shapes people's views and, and breeds uh, di- disenchantment. And so I think that's unfortunate. You know, I, I, I keep thinking back to, uh, you know, you might say I'm haunted by an episode when I was interviewing top Asian American students at a high school in New York City, and they face a harder road than, than other groups because so many Asian Americans are top students, and so the colleges, you know, often judge them against each other rather than against the entire pool. And this one young woman said to me that she'd gotten somewhere over 1,500 on her SATs out of 1,600. I said, that's very good. And she said, oh, no, we call that an Asian fail. So you've got this whole group of Asian American students who feel that they're held to a double standard, that they have to achieve everybody else just to be on the same plateau. And, uh, you know, that's very, uh, uh, you know, it's very harmful to the the system in the long way. It's kind of... uh, tarnishes our view of American democracy and, and our society. And I think, uh, you know, some ways we can help uh, to, to make change happen. I think that, uh, uh, you know, alumni should reach out to their schools and, and express their opposition to legacy preference and these other preferences. Uh, once in a while, there's there's legislation at the federal level. None of it ever passes, but you know, to do something about legacy preference or some of these issues, and uh, you know, make clear to to university, to your elected representatives, and to to fellow alumni, uh, how you feel about the issue. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things, you know, where where I, I see communities getting affected, and you know, just that even that that story you just shared of certain you know, uh, groups being held to a certain standard, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And, and yeah, you know, uh, I'll, I'll stay optimistic because we have to hope that, you know, some of these alumni and, and people, like, they want to say, like, hey, hey, we we have a little too much of an advantage. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll stay hopeful and hopefully, you know, they get involved. But, yeah, anyways, Dan, I, I really appreciate you you taking the time to come on and chat about your book. Thanks. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was my conversation with the awesome Dan Golden about his book, The Price of Admission. And I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I hope for those of you who are unaware of some of these issues, I hope it kind of enlightens you like we... We, we should all collectively care about this, whether you're a parent or not. Like, we all know kids who are going to grow up in this system and, you know, try to get into colleges and all that. But I don't think a lot of us are aware of what's going on. So it's something that we need to pay attention to. And, and even if, you know, even if you don't have a kid, like, going to school, like, so many of us, so many people are, you know, just uh, stuck under so much. Uh, debt from student loans. You know what I mean? So that's the other reason why I think this is such an important topic because, uh, you know, it's, it's like after, after you finally get in and, you know, on unequal grounds and stuff like that, now you're racking up student loans and a whole other conversation is about what happens after college. And, you know, will you get that good job after you 
took all this time and put in all this effort to get into a good school and all that. But anyways, yeah, huge thanks again to Dan for his time. Make sure you check out the description down below. Uh, make sure you're following him. Grab a copy of his book. Uh, yeah, and keep up to date with the other stuff he's working on. Like I said, he is, uh, you know, a Pulitzer Prize uh, winning journalist and he covers some really important topics and I really appreciate him coming on. But yeah, also while you're down in the description below, make sure you are following me over on Instagram and Twitter at The Rewired Soul so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. I also love talking with all of you. I share the books that I'm currently reading, upcoming guests and all that. But yeah, uh, you want to make sure that you're staying tuned because coming up this week, we're covering some more important social issues. So some of, for example, like tomorrow, some of you have heard about the famous uh, book Grit from Angela Duckworth. Well, I have another guest coming on who wrote a book about the power of student agency and it kind of weaves in perfectly with the idea of grit. And then uh, we're also going to be talking about the unemployment issues in the United States and all that. So make sure that you're following me so you don't miss that and you can follow all of these awesome authors. All right. But yeah, if you're interested down below in the description, there's also some ways to support, you know, uh, the podcast and my crazy reading habit. You can become a patron. You can get some of the books that I've self-published over at my website, therewiredsoul.com. And if you are somebody like myself who wants to improve your mental health, there is an affiliate link down below for BetterHelp Online Therapy. It's a service that I've personally used. So check that out. All right. So yeah, thank you so much for spending some time to learn about the issues with the college admissions system and yeah i hope you have an amazing rest of your day and i will talk to you in the next one